Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we got an exciting guest today. Uh, we do. I can't wait to uh, to get him on later on in the show. Dave Hunziker, play-by-play voice for Oklahoma State. You and I both took his class in Stillwater. He's an absolute joy to talk to uh, and to be around. So can't wait to talk a little OSU football with Dave. Yeah, Dave's just the best. And um, definitely want to ask him just, you know, he's entering year 22. And we all remember the tragic circumstances taken over for Bill Tegans, whom we all love dearly. But he's really made that job his own. And really become synonymous with Oklahoma State sports. And uh, he's a great guy. We took his class. He's just a prince of a man. So we can't wait to get his thoughts on uh, on OSU football coming into this year. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, the one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And uh, Colby, I might be working on some T-shirts for the podcast. That's details to be worked out, but uh, I'm hoping to get something out in time for football season. So we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast uh did did you have any more t-shirt ideas for me uh not off the top of my head but i'm in on on pistols firing t-shirts uh the big 10 stinks is obviously a good one we need to find one at some point we we needed to be organic though so like at some point during the season we all it, it always happens there's an emotional game we come in here we're super fired up on a sunday or monday whenever we record a recap and and then there's some phrase that just sticks so we need to be be wary of those whenever they show up. Jot those down so we'll have more T-shirt ideas. Yeah, like at the end of the year, the We've Got a Logo too. Um, yep. we, 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 were, we wanted the Let Spencer Cook shirts last year, like Let Him Cook, like Russell Wilson. So I'm sure something will pop up during the season. That's a good point. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, Mike Gundy had a big article on ESPN talking about Oklahoma and Texas leaving the conference and Mike was pretty blunt about it and kind of stated the obvious that they, they did it for money. And, and along the way, they, they've killed a lot of the history and the rivalry. And um, again, just my opinion hasn't changed. You don't do business with someone you've done business with for 100 years and then have them profit off stabbing you in the back and then continue doing business with someone. It doesn't work that way in any way of life, in any entity. So that's the way I feel about it. What do you think of uh, Mike Gundy's comments? Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, Mike Gundy, again, he's just – he's being very candid, and he just straight up came out and said, look, they took the money. I get it. Whatever. Go do your thing. But don't expect us to be sitting here waiting for you. These – I'm not reading quotes, by the way. I don't want anybody to get confused and think I'm reading Mike Gundy quotes. Uh, I'm taking what he said about it all being about the money and, th- and then paraphrasing from there. But, yeah, I mean, you want to do that? You want to take the money? Look, I get it. Financial decisions are being made. But the problem is whenever that university – and fans of that university want to do that, want to take the money, want to do what's best for them, and then they want to turn around and blame Oklahoma State as if Oklahoma State is the reason that Bedlam is going to no longer exist when OU is gone. That's the part where I have a problem. You want to go? Go. But don't turn around and blame me whenever things get a little bit different because you decided to cut and run uh, and didn't bother to include us in any talks, anything else. All right, you can go. We're not coming with you, and you're not coming back over here. So, uh, yeah, that was really my, my only problem with it from the start. It's like, don't blame us for your decision. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Mike also talked about how, you know, SEC games, they're probably going to move to nine conference games. Uh, OSU's got their schedule booked into like 2030 something. So like it, it doesn't make sense just scheduling wise. Um, but I don't know about you, Colby. My hope is from all of this is that we just get rid of the three cream puff games. You know, some, some teams schedule one really good non-conference game and then two rum dums. And I, I think it might take an expansion of the playoffs, but I think hopefully what comes of all of this with these super conferences is you don't schedule, you know, East popcorn state, Savannah state, whomever you schedule other quote unquote power five, power three, whatever the term's going to be moving forward. You schedule teams from those other conferences because the only way we're going to be able to judge anything with these massive leagues that don't even play each other. No, I'm with you. The, the cupcakes, it's tough in college football because the cupcakes get their money. You know, Savannah state gets their money by coming to Stillwater and getting their brains beaten in. And it's always just been the weirdest system, right? Carson. I mean, we have to take these guys at Savannah state. We have to expose them to a brutal beatdown from a just superior program with superior facilities and more money and a bigger budget and, and, and bigger, stronger, faster athletes in order for that school to make its money. And it also waters down the product for the bigger school, for the OSU, the OU, Texas of the world, who go play the rum dumbs, all these SEC schools who roll out on November 20th playing against, you know, Alabama State, Tech, A&M. It, it just, it waters down the product for everyone. And I do feel like we're getting to a point in college football, Carson, where we're going to see more games, uh, more big games getting scheduled. And I think a big thing that can help that, everyone is so scared, terrified to lose a game in college football because of what it could do to them in the postseason. You expand that playoff a little bit, and all of a sudden now one loss doesn't tank your season. Maybe then at that point we get more games between Power 5 opponents who are somewhat evenly matched in the offseason. I mean, I would love to see uh, OSU like, – I mean, like we've talked about, the, the Big Ten sinks. I would love to see OSU-Michigan or OSU-Iowa, OSU-Penn State in the non-conference. I would love to see uh, OSU-A&M in the non-conference. I mean, that would be a great test to see how you're stacking up against some of the best talent in the country, but so many schools are afraid to do it because of what one loss does to you in the current college football landscape. Uh, so I think whenever that changes, we'll start to get some better scheduling and hopefully less of those cupcake games that really water down the product. Yeah, I do too. And I, I certainly get it from the wins and losses perspective. I, I understand it's just kind of the way that football's gone over the, all these years, but it just it never made any sense to me. You only get 12 games in the regular season, and literally two of them are just a waste of the fans' time, Oklahoma State's time, and whatever team they're playing's time. I guess it's not a waste of their time. They get a big paycheck, but you get what I'm saying. It's just we only have so precious few of these. Let's at least see a competitive game in all in all 12. So that remains to be seen. But we do have some a little bit of breaking news. Oklahoma State is tweeting out, they're going to stripe the stadium for Arizona State on September 10th. That'll be exciting. And they're going to honor Terry Miller, the old's favorite, uh, for his College Football Hall of Fame recognition. So Terry Miller going to be honored, and they're going to stripe the stadium. Speaking of big non-conference games, that's a big one, Colby. Yeah, that is a big non-conference game. I'm really hoping to be in Stillwater that day. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it work with my work schedule yet. I will be at the home opener uh, on September 1st. That'll be the first game we'll get to take our daughter to, so very much looking forward to that game. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Striping the stadium, all that stuff. Get your fan base engaged. And Arizona State, 
that's kind of a good Power 5 non-con game because, you know, you get a little bit of a name. It, it's Arizona State. It's not a big name, but it's a little bit of a name. It's Power 5. It's Pac-12. But you just know. I mean, unless things go wrong, unless it's some sort of weird four-turnover game or something, you're just going to beat Arizona State's head in for four quarters. So I, I'm really looking forward to the Arizona State weekend because I don't foresee Oklahoma State having any problem with them. Just done a lot better than I thought he would. I thought that was just a complete joke of a hire. And now he has gotten in some trouble with uh, recruiting. He's had to let go of some of his staff. But he's, he's done better than I thought he would. They're no, they're no pushover. But to me, it's pretty similar to the, those, that Arizona team that came to Stillwater uh, with Nick Foles. Uh, obviously, they had Nick Foles. So that's a little different. But, you know, good, good for the resume. But it's a game you should absolutely go and win. So that's an exciting deal for Stillwater. Speaking of exciting... Uh, the latest episode of Hard Knocks debuted, and Malcolm Rodriguez got a full featurette, like a four or five minute clip of him. Rodrigo. They call him Rodrigo. He's like, <laughs> apparently, they gave him this. Uh, Aaron Glenn, the defense coordinator, gave him that nickname the first time he met him. And he's like, I just got here and I already got a nickname. But what really stuck out is he, he just keeps making plays, he keeps making the right reads to the point where the linebackers coach is sitting there in film. And he's admonishing Rodriguez, kind of, but mainly the linebacker room saying, this guy isn't a first-round pick. This guy's not a second-round pick. What round were you picked in, Malcolm? He goes, fifth. He goes, this guy is taking your – he goes, you're going to let a fifth-round rookie, no offense, Malcolm, take your job. And I, he goes, the way this is going, I have to put him on the field. He's making all these reads as a rookie. And he just kept admonishing the linebacker room. And I know Malcolm had to be smiling on the inside that he's performing that well to that point where I said it on last week's pot. I think he's going to end up starting in Detroit. And it certainly seems he's on that, that track if he keeps playing like he is. Yeah, no one is surprised. No one around here is surprised that these reviews of Malcolm Rodriguez are coming out. And it's, it's so great to me that Hard Knocks is in Detroit and that we're getting to see it because we know what Malcolm Rodriguez is. I mean, Dave Hunziker, he, he's going to come on with us a little bit, and I want to ask him about Malcolm Rodriguez because I think he's the best linebacker in school history. He's the best I've watched in my life. Maybe, you know, I, I was born in the early 90s. Maybe there's somebody previously that I didn't get to watch, but – Man, he just his instincts are unbelievable. Pistols firing tweeted out uh, a video, uh, a highlight from their preseason game where he's just—I mean—he's in the gap. He's hitting a different gap. He's all over the place. And what I really liked was when they were in the meeting room. Uh, one of the assistant—I think it was the linebackers coach—looked at Dan Campbell. He goes, "Coach, this kid's sneaky." And I'm like, that's exactly what Malcolm Rodriguez is. Malcolm Rodriguez is sneaky because Malcolm Rodriguez, look, he doesn't get off the bus and look like one of these dudes that's running out on the field for Georgia. Malcolm Rodriguez, he, he's not a bus guy. You know what he is? He's a football guy. He knows where to be. He knows when to be there. And with that wrestling background, when he gets his hands on you, that's it. And that was at the college level, and that's going to be at the NFL level. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is is one of my favorite Cowboys I've ever gotten to watch. And uh, again, Carson, we talked about it whenever we recorded on Sunday. I, I think I might have been wrong about him going to Detroit, and he is going to give me a reason to watch them when they're on the field defensively because I, I think, to me, he's that entertaining of a talent defensively uh, for an Oklahoma State fan. I never thought I'd want to watch a Detroit Lions game again after what they did to Barry Sanders. But right, right especially there when you. they're on defense, Carson. Who wants to watch Detroit <laughs> when they're on defense? I do. Absolutely. And I keep saying he's a fifth round pick. He's actually a sixth round pick because I just, I still cannot believe he lasted until the sixth round. It's like my brain can't compute. And he said this in the episode, he's a sixth round pick. So that just shows you 
why the coach is admonishing all their starters that the sixth round rookie is playing them off the field. But yeah, you're right. It should come of no surprise to people uh, that followed Oklahoma State. And it's going to be a, just a, again, it's just a joy to watch Dan Campbell just fall in love with this dude. And I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be on the field starting game one. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's been a, a lot of fun watching him on, uh, on hard knocks. Before we get to, uh, our interview with Dave Hunzacker. We got time for bullets and BBs. I'll go first since uh, you're still getting yours together. My bullet is going to go to, uh, let's see here, Iron Monk Beer. Have you seen this, Colby? They have an 1890 uh, beer they've debuted with partnership with Oklahoma State. So there's an OSU official craft beer uh, from Iron Monk. They will host a night with OSU from 6 to 8 p.m. on Saturday, August 20th, this Saturday. Uh, the craft beer called 1890 Original. So I know there's going to be a lot of those consumed on game days. Uh, yeah, they are. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome for, uh, for Oklahoma State uh, and for them getting that craft beer in. A lot of people going to make a lot of money off the Oklahoma State-themed craft beer. I had uh, – here it is. Uh, I'm going to give it to Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton doing some work in the offseason. He gets my bullet. Uh, class of 2023 guard Jamron Keller commits to Oklahoma State. I uh, had a big stock rise this summer. You can read about him on Pistols Firing blog. But uh, Mike Boynton just continues to do his thing. We're getting closer to football. Basketball is getting a little bit more out of, my, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but Mike Boynton doing a great job and getting another big-time commit in the uh, – looks like, what is he, number 159 ranked nationally in the 2023 class, according to 247. Uh, so another good one for Mike Boynton. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. And uh, in that survey that Dave Hudson puts out, uh, Pistols Firing did some takeaways from it. And uh, for the first time since Boynton's been the coach, the approval rating's slightly down. So I think people are ready – we, everyone still obviously approves of Mike, but I think people are ready for the OSU basketball team to to make some waves, not only in the Big 12, but the uh, the NCAA tournament as well. Uh, my BB goes to, who do I want to, Big 10? Uh, I'm going to go with the University of Texas. They are not in the AP poll that was released, which rightfully so. I think it shines a light on just how ridiculous it was that a college football coach voted them number one. There's, there's rumors, Colby, that it was uh, Jake Spavital from, I believe, Texas State because he plays them uh, this year. I think that was the, the rumor. He was asked about it, and he didn't deny it, didn't confirm it. So maybe that's what, what happened. But Texas, not in the uh, AP poll for the first time since, I believe, it was 2016 when they were coming off a 5-7 and seven season. And – Vegas hasn't reacted, Colby. I think their win total is still at nine, uh, maybe nine and a half, depending on the book you look at. But this is setting up just chef's kiss to just hammer the under on Texas. Oh, absolutely it is. I just, man, things just always go wrong for Texas, right? I mean, the injuries the other day in the preseason, you, that's not even something you can control. Texas do anything, didn't do anything wrong to get key starters hurt. And then key starters get hurt, and it's just – Whatever can go wrong for Texas will go wrong for Texas. It's kind of like the Big 12's fourth law or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I mean, you don't feel bad for them because, you know, they've got their noses up in the air and just happen to think that they're a little bit better than everybody else with all of their Austin money, and that just doesn't translate on the field to any kind of wins. So, Carson, my BB, it's, it's kind of a dual bullet slash BB for a uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy. So the bullet aspect of it, Ricky Fowler – I mean, he has clearly gotten on like Tiger's inner, inner circle. 
Tiger Woods shows up yesterday for a PGA Tour player meeting, walks off the jet, and who walks off right behind him? None other than Oklahoma State's finest, Ricky Fowler. And this is where I'll uh, jokingly give him a BB. And then they get in the car, and Tiger drives. Carson, I don't know if you've heard or not, driving, maybe not Tiger's forte, uh, so Ricky being a little, uh, little risky there, letting his buddy drive the car. I just said, Hey, Hey, big cat, won't you let me take this one? Won't you let me drive? Uh, but no, it's, it's cool that Ricky and tiger have gotten so close. And, uh, I would love to know what was talked about in that meeting yesterday, which to my understanding, uh, included a couple of former Oklahoma state Cowboys. Uh, but I don't think that we're going to get just hardly anything, uh, from what they talked about yesterday. So, uh, pretty cool seeing Ricky rolling around with tiger. Did anyone ask Ricky to come? Is he just going? I thought it was only like the top 20 players or something. It was the top 20 players, Tiger and Ricky. Well, minus Cam Smith. Cam Smith was not there. Um, So, yeah, it's – I guess because Ricky is is still, despite the lack of production, still very famous and still one of the faces of the tour – uh, and him and Tiger are, are besties. Maybe Tiger was just like, hey, man, you, you need to be a part of this. Come along with me. And, uh, yeah, so very, very interesting to see Ricky there and I think speaks even further to just how close he and Tiger are. Well, it's, it's strange on one hand that he is no longer, you know, one of those top 20 players, so you'd be curious. It's strange also, too, that, you know, he was strongly linked to Liv, was strongly rumored to go to Liv, has said good things about Liv. But on the other hand, you, you got to remember, you know, Ricky's been on tour just longer than almost every single one of those top 20 players. He, he's been on the tour a long time. He came out of OSU a long time ago. So he he is probably a trusted veteran voice in the room. I certainly believe he can offer that type of perspective. But that that was kind of a funny meme going around. I retweeted, retweeted one from uh, training day, like when when. Uh, Denzel Washington's looking at Ethan Hawke and it looked just like Tiger looking over at, at Ricky. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty, their friendship has been very interesting. You know, we've, we've heard reports over the years that uh, when Ricky's game started to struggle and he wasn't in the majors, he was going over to Tiger's house and they were watching the Masters together and stuff like that. I, I really hope that Ricky can get his on-course game back because – uh, I mean, yeah, it would just it would be cool to see him out there again. Uh, I do still think that he has a place on the PGA Tour. He's very beloved by fans, and hopefully, I mean, we see players go through slumps and, and come out of it. We see some of them go through a slump, and that's just about the last you ever hear from them. Golf, it's just it's hard to predict those things. It certainly is. Uh, man, we're getting close to the season. We're going to now bring on Dave Hunzacker, voice of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and uh, enjoy the interview, and we'll get back with everyone next week. We are now joined by someone who really needs no introduction. It's Dave Hunzacker, voice of the Cowboys. And Dave, I guess first off, we know you're busy getting ready for football season. I'm not sure how many fans are aware that you also teach at Oklahoma State University. You were once upon a time my professor in one of the sports media classes they have there. So you're you're really busy this time of year. Yeah, it's uh, and I, I'm an instructor. I don't have the credentials to be a professor, but I appreciate you saying that. There's some people on campus that might be upset, uh, but at any rate, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So it is, it is quite busy. We're pretty excited. We just were recognized by the uh, STAA, which is basically the almost what you'd call the job placement job board group for sports announcers, uh, mainly probably play by play. We were just recognized as the number nine sports broadcasting school in the country. Wow. So we're really excited about that. It's uh, 
people like you have helped make that happen, Carson, because you went out in the real world and uh, did great things, part of that very first class that I taught. And so we're really excited about that. I mean, we're one spot behind Missouri. I mean, that's, that's where I went to school. Uh, so we're really excited about that. We have so many talented students that have done so many great things. So that we just got that news this week. So we're pretty jacked up about that. Yeah, that's uh, awesome, Dave. I uh, I was also fortunate enough to yes, learn were. from the great Dave Hunziker. So, Dave, we're, we're headed into football season now, and it's kind of a unique spot Oklahoma State finds itself in. Carson and I have talked about it a lot over the offseason. It feels like expectations have been raised not only outside the program but inside the program. It, it feels like we've gotten a different Mike Gundy over the last couple of years. So I'm just curious. I mean, you've been at Oklahoma State a long time. You've seen a lot of things in this program, I think there's just about as much optimism right now around Oklahoma state football as there's been in a long time, maybe back since uh, Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman were running around. So what, what are your thoughts and just kind of the vibe on campus with where the program's at and really what's happened the last couple of years? I think part of what we're experiencing is coach Gundy is in such a relaxed place. He's so happy with his administration, Chad Weiberg and, and Dr. Casey Schrum. It's, it's been a little different, and I think he's enjoyed the change. And so I think, like anything, when someone is really relaxed and feeling good about where they are, it protrudes an air of confidence. And I think part of what we're seeing is not only the success on the field that we see, but a different Mike Gundy. I mean, my goodness, the interview we did for the Cowboys Summer Series back in June, he just let it rip. He doesn't normally do that. You know, we did the OSU Max uh, if you've been watching the Gundy's Greatest Games feature by the OSU Max people, led by Jason Carroll, who's just done a fantastic job putting that together, we sat in his office for two hours and knocked that thing out. I don't know that I've ever done that with a man. Uh, it just He's just so comfortable and so confident in his administration, so confident in his own program, his own organization, how they're doing things, the model that they have created, the culture. It just creates, you know, when you feel confident and comfortable, it really creates a, uh, a great aura about you. And I think that's part of what's going on. The success, we see those things on the field. All those on the field things are tangible. There's just so many intangibles right now that are really trending up. Yeah, I did, Dave. I want to ask you about the new administration. Mike Gundy has talked a lot about that and just how how in sync they are. You You obviously are within the athletic department, have had dealings with Chad Weiberg and Dr. Casey Shrum. What is it about their new leadership and just their leadership in general that, that you've seen, that, that you've dealt with, that you think uh, is why Mike is so, so fired up about the new administration? I think it's a couple things. I think they're very hands-off when it comes to that. They just, they, I think they have a lot of trust in him and just, you know, give him the guidance he needs. But at the same time, they, they don't, they're not ones that are going to meddle much. They just let him go. Uh, and, and he's earned enough trust and respect that, that you can do that. I mean, you know, some coaches, if you let them do that, my goodness. Of course, now there doesn't seem to be an NCAA. In the old days, they'd go cheat their butts off. You don't have to worry about that with him. He's not going to do that. That's just – he's just not made of that. He won't do that. So, I think that's number one. And I think they're just very – you know, it's – they're very innovative. I mean, Dr. Shrum has an entirely different background as someone who is a physician by trade. The former head of a uh, of what was what's been a real rising star as far as osteopathic uh, medicine goes with the OSU uh, College of Health Sciences in Tulsa. It's, it's, she's been a real 
leader, it appears, in that area. And she's not afraid to be aggressive or think outside the box. I don't think there really is a box with her, which is great. Chad Weiberg, much the same way. He's just been in athletics for so long. He's so even keel. If he's rattled, you never know it. He just does his work. He's really good. He's very, very knowledgeable, very credible. And so it's a little bit different dynamic. And I, and I think it's been, I think it's been good. You know, I think you'll see us as Dr. Shrum appears to be really taking a leadership role within the big 12. I think you'll see Chad do the same thing. I think it's only a matter of time, for example, before with his back basketball background, he becomes a member of the big 12 or the NCAA men's basketball committee. So lots of cool things. Yeah, Dave, I wanted to uh, – pardon me. Yeah, Dave, I wanted to dive in here on this year's team. Uh, Carson was just sending me some highlights from Hard Knocks about Malcolm Rodriguez, and he's making waves in Detroit and getting some TV time. And, Dave, I don't know about you. I, I'm a little bit younger, so I didn't watch some of the older guys. But Malcolm Rodriguez, for my money, is as good as I've seen at the position in my lifetime at Oklahoma State. And he and Devin Harper were maybe the best combination I've seen at that position. You combine those two losses with the guys on the back end, Sterling, Harvell, Peel, Christian Holmes. Uh, I've talked at length about just how good of a tackling team Oklahoma State had last year. I mean, those guys, when they got their hands on you, you were done. There were no yards after contact. And I think that that is the biggest um, thing thing that Derek Mason has to, to do this year to replace those guys. So, how do you feel about those guys and maybe where that defense and some of those guys individually rank in Oklahoma State history? And then just how big of a task is it uh, for a new defensive coordinator to come in and try to back up essentially the best defense in, uh, in school history? Well, Malcolm Rodriguez is probably as good as I've seen. And certainly here at Oklahoma State, maybe as good as I've ever seen anywhere. Just for the reasons you said, just the ability to tackle, get guys on the ground. I mean, the reality is with he and Colby Harville Peel, we are losing two All-Americans off the defense for the first time in school history. We have never lost two All-Americans in the same year. Wow. So now here's the thing. If you go through this year and win nine or ten games, having gone through that for the first time ever, that is a statement. You've taken another notch forward. Not that there are that many notches left for us to go forward on, but that's another – that's why this year is important because if you can if you can pull that off then i think you show the country that hey you know we're not a team that's just going to jump up into the top 10 and be there for two years then we'll drop down to like 25 or even 17 to 20 which is a great place we're a team that's going to stay in the top 10 or 12 every single year with no exceptions and that may be where this thing is headed we'll see it's, uh, you know, it, here's the hard thing. It's, I think that's one of the reasons they've been so physical in practices for the reason you just said is tackling. You know, I think we learned the value of tackling. And one of the things, you know, when the fast offenses were going so much in the conference, we backed off on contact because we didn't have enough depth defensively to be able to practice hard and then try to compete in games. I mean, we practiced hard, but we didn't hit much because with the volume of plays that you had to be on the field, you couldn't afford injuries because you didn't have the depth and then guys got worn down and then you would, and then you just, there were just so many problems that that created, especially when we had limited depth, for example, on the offensive line was a, it was a place where we really had our defensive line rather it's a place where we really had issues in terms of depth, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, you're talking about two new linebackers, obviously uh, guys that, you know, have really not played much, if at all, uh, obviously, you're, you're dealing with replacements 
at corner, although I really like the young corners. I know Tim Duffy's been really pleased, not only with Black and Muhammad, but some of the backups were, that also have played well. And I think Kendall Daniels, when you look at him physically as a safety at, you know, 6'4", 220, I'm not sure what his weight is today, but, you know, if, if you think about someone who physically looks the part of a first-round draft pick, he probably does so more than anybody on the team. So there's, you know, here's the thing, though. When you don't have experience, everything bothers you. I mean, the first time you go on the road, that's a new thing. You know, the first time somebody really throws a kitchen sink at you on offense and totally changes their stripes, that's a new thing. So there's a growth process that occurs. Derek Mason will be just fine. I mean, he's, he's not quite inheriting what Jim Knowles did in 2018 because you have a defensive line that's going to be outstanding and is very deep. But there are some similarities in that. I think some of these guys that are a little bit lacking in experience can grow with him. And although the defense won't change much, there'll just be a growth process there that to some extent similar to what Jim Knowles did. Although really, when you think about Jark Bernard Converse, Colby Harbell Peel, Malcolm Rodriguez, those guys started in many cases as freshmen. And boy, did we reap the benefits of that at the end of their careers. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many new faces, position groups to break down. But, you know, Mike's always said, you know, it comes down to quarterback play in this league. And sure. The defenses have improved and all those things. And it, it feels like Spencer Sanders has been at school for a decade. He's been dissected, broken down. He's a little, a little bit like Russell Westbrook where he, he makes great plays, but people just can't get over some of the mistakes. Dave, in your opinion, in how much of his career are his own doing some of his mistakes? And, and how much stock do you put in just on how many – quarterbacks coaches offensive coordinators that he's been through just in his time at Oklahoma State what how would you kind of sum up where he is coming into this season based on his past experience oh I you know I think coach Gundy's got it right you know he when he's protected he does pretty well uh when he's not he doesn't now that wasn't necessarily true two or three years ago but he was really young and Tim Rattay's done an awesome job with him I think I think his footwork is cleaned up you know, his, I think some of the things he does with the ball in terms of, you know, for lack of a better description, his ball handling is better. His decision-making is better. And then he's, you know, and, and you can't substitute experience. I mean, you know, once you see about every defense that come at you, comes at you, you can develop a lot of confidence in what you do and the ability to make the quick and accurate decision you know, make the quick and best decisions, probably a better way of saying it. So I think with him, it's, it's, you know, it's in the thing is you benefit from his experience. I mean, here's the deal guys. There's only two returning quarterbacks in the big 12 that have started more than 10 career games at their schools, Spencer Sanders and Duggan at TCU. That's it. So many teams are breaking in new quarterbacks that are transfers. You know, that's the thing that intrigues me about this season. How much does that, in place, long-term quarterback experience matter. How will the guy from UCF at OU do? How will Martinez do at K-State? Heck, we don't know. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how valuable that is. There's more first-round draft pick talent, I think, in the conference than there's been in probably two or three years. Of course, that's not saying much. We haven't had a first-round draft pick the last two years, but I think there's four or five, maybe six guys that could be first-rounders. So the talent level in some areas will be better, but it's not at quarterback. So that's going to be really interesting to see how all this sort of plays out. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that what you talked about there with Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan being the only guys who've been around their program kind of speaks to a larger point about the landscape of college football and how things are changing and guys are constantly on the move. I want to get your thoughts on that. But quickly, before we turn away from Spencer Sanders, I want to talk about the connection between he and Casey Dunn, because I have just I have really gotten bullish on what this offense could be capable of this season based on what happened at the end of last season, not only with Spencer Sanders, but with what I thought uh, was Casey Dunn really coming into his own and starting to use his pieces in the exact right ways at the exact right times. It just seemed like everything was clicking. So uh, I guess my question would be, are you as bullish as I am that maybe Casey Dunn and Spencer Sanders have found this kind of cohesiveness that, you know, they, they understand what they're good at. They understand what works best for the offense. And we could see more potentially from this offense, what we saw in the second half against Oklahoma and in that bowl game against Notre Dame. I think it's important to remember last year that they didn't cut Spencer loose in the quarterback run game. And I'm sure you're referring to that until late in the year because they couldn't. Because if he gets hurt, his backup, Shane Illingworth, can't do any of the things in the quarterback run game. So you take all of that of your playbook, which was a pretty good chunk, and you literally throw it in the trash. You can't do that. And that's why the dynamics of the quarterback situation last year really created a situation where you had to really be careful with Spencer and how much you ran him until late in the year when you weren't nearly as concerned about injury. And, of course, in the Notre Dame game in the Fiesta Bowl, they just let him run wild, and we saw what happened. But you couldn't do that because if you did, you put your offense in such a perilous position that you think the pressure was on the defense before. Oh, my gosh. Then you get into situations where you turn the ball over. You know, Oklahoma State didn't turn the ball over much last year for the most part. You know, they just – it was – I told people back in the old days – you know, you play Oklahoma State and they scored so many points so fast, it was like being, you know, bitten by a cobra and killed. Now it's more like an anaconda just squeezes you to death. It's a slow death. You're dying. I mean, you can ask Texas Tech or West Virginia, who didn't necessarily get just blown to smithereens by Oklahoma State, but it was kind of like you looked out there and you almost felt sorry for him. It's like, you know what? You got nothing on offense. You're completely screwed. I mean, we're just playing out the string here. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's no bringing you back. You're done. And, but part of that was the offense defense playing in concert, playing together and making sure that Spencer Sanders was Sanders was on the field because it, it allowed you at least the threat of the quarterback run. It allowed you to pop it in there once in a while. And then late in the year, you cut it loose. You know, I think it's one of the things that I think should always be appreciated about last year's team is the coaching job that was done the way all of that was managed. It was managed to perfection the way it needed to be to make sure that over the long term, you had all the pieces in place to be successful at the end. And uh, they were, you know, obviously lost the Baylor game, but finished atop the big 12 regular season standings and won the Fiesta bowl. And it turned out to be pretty darn good. It did turn out to be pretty darn good. I just want to circle back uh, Dave to, to the, your comment about the quarterbacks, two quarterbacks in the big 12 right now who spent more than 10 games at their current program. The, the landscape of college football is changing. It, it feels like daily, weekly, I mean, conference realignment, NIL, transfer portal. You've been around college football a long time. It, it is just 
things have gotten really weird over the last couple of years in college football, and it's turning into something that is almost unrecognizable from what it was whenever I was a kid growing up watching it. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I think that some things are being improved, but just what do you make of, of guys constantly being on the move, how coaches handle that stuff, and just how college football is rapidly changing? Well, I had an exchange with a college basketball coach. You know, now that you're talking about transfers being allowed to move around as many times as they like and and with no penalty, and <laughs> to which this guy said, how in the world am I supposed to coach anybody? I mean, the first time they get mad, they leave, and they're being paid, so they want to be paid. And, you know, if I do anything to make them mad, they leave. They're not on contract, so I have no way to get rid of them, but they can throw us in the trash in a minute. So how am I supposed to hold anybody responsible for anything? It's true. I mean, that doesn't matter what sport it is, whether it's football, basketball, baseball. I mean, you hear stories. I've heard stories already about in the college summer leagues, coaches walking around basically saying, I'll give you $50,000 to transfer. That stuff's happening, folks. It is happening. It's real. And that tells you where we're at. So my hope is this, though. I don't necessarily have a problem with players making money off their name image likeness. You hear rumors about the possibility that how this could be handled, and it may end up taking federal legislation to get this in place. I don't really care how it happens as long as it does. To basically where you would have a clearinghouse that would decide, okay, this is the marketing element, the marketing endeavor that they want this student athlete to be involved in. And they will have a group of experts that will decide, well, this is what it's worth. And that's what they'll get paid. And so you know, you'll have a, you know, a real pay for services instead of just buying players and saying, you know, this works only worth a thousand dollars, but we want you to come to school here. So here's 30,000. No, there'll be assigned values. This is what it's worth. This is what you get paid game, set, match. And you go like that. I mean, here's the deal. And this is where I think, I don't know if it was misleading intentionally. I'm not sure how this went down, but you know, I have friends that work in the NFL that are broadcasters and you know, for example, I was talking to a buddy of mine that does the Atlanta Falcons, and he said three, maybe four Falcons have significant endorsement deals in Atlanta, the home of Delta, Coca-Cola, Georgia Pacific, the Home Depot. They only have three or four guys with endorsements. Well, how in the world would college guys get them legitimately? It's just not realistic. Some, yes. A lot, no. Get this thing back to what supposedly it was designed to be about marketing, paying guys the market value for the real work they do from a marketing perspective, name, image, likeness perspective, not just paying them to play and buying players. That's, that's ridiculous. That's about the best way I've ever heard it summed up, Dave. I, I completely agree. And uh, my, we just have, have a few more questions for you, Dave. We'll get you out of here. But Mike Gundy had a big article in uh, ESPN talking about Bedlam and it's been a huge talking point ever since that move was made. Colby and I have been consistent in that you don't do business with someone for a hundred years and then expect that entity to keep doing business with you, especially when you leave in the middle of the night and, and undercut that business. I'm curious to get your thoughts on the future of Bedlam and, and how you see it playing out. I'm all over the place. You know, th th there's a part of me that says, forget it. Let's not do it. Because of the circumstances, there's another part of me that knows that deep down, it means so much to our fans. It's so embedded in our history, not just as a football program, but as an institution, really even embedded, you could argue, into the history of our state. 
that's hard to walk from that. Now, the logistics of it, because football schedules are done so far in advance, make it really difficult. Yes, you could say, hey, we're not going to go buy a 1AA in 26, 27, 28, whatever years we have open and put Oklahoma in there. But then you've scheduled yourself into a mess because then you're playing multiple teams from Power 5 conferences and the non-conference you know, no one really does that much. A few teams do. I don't think that's wise. I don't think probably Coach Gundy would want to do that. So we'll see how it goes. And I'm feeling better about how we may end up revenue-wise in the new Big 12 as far as TV money is concerned. I'm getting vibes that that may turn out better than maybe we thought. We'll see. There's a whole lot to be determined there, so we don't want to get our hopes up. But I think the one time where I would say for sure it ends as if there ends up being just an enormous budget difference between Oklahoma and Oklahoma state to where it is no longer remotely a fair fight. Then I say it's over because then you're just going to get your brains kicked in. You know, it's not even a fair fight and it's not a fair fight because of something they instigated. You know, I, I don't want it to become no offense, Colorado, Colorado state that, that I'm not for. I don't think it's headed down that path now. I feel a lot better about where we are from a revenue standpoint. I know our leadership is good. I don't worry about that maybe as much as I did a year ago. Couldn't agree more, Dave. We've talked all summer about how the Big 12 really seems to be on good footing, whereas a year ago, we, we didn't think there would be a Big 12 uh, come a couple of seasons from now, and it seems like things are good. So I want to ask you, take the money out of it. Just throw the money totally to the side. Revenue doesn't matter. None of that stuff. The new look Big 12. Do you think Oklahoma State has positioned itself to kind of be the, the big fish in a little bit smaller pond? You know, Big Ten, SEC, they're going to go do all these things with, with 16, 18 teams, whatever. But then the Big 12 is going to be sitting here. Oklahoma State, Baylor, uh, Cincinnati maybe, Houston, BYU. I, I, I mean, other schools that are going to be in the Big 12. Do you think Oklahoma State is positioned, you know, forget the money, to just have a bunch of on-field success when it comes to football specifically uh, over these next five to ten years in this new-look Big 12 conference? Oh, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And, you know, I, I think it sets up really well for Oklahoma State. I don't think there's any doubt about that, uh, you know, with the success we've had. We kind of have a winning formula. We have stability, you know, in that we've had same head coach and almost the entire coaching staff for several years together. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why that's the case. I think the team you have to watch out for is Houston. I mean, there's a reason why nobody really ever wanted them in the league. I mean, let's just be honest, <laughs> because they just knew that in the city of Houston, the access they'd have to talent if they were on level playing ground with everybody else, as far as level of play is concerned, they could be really dangerous. And I think we're going to see that play out. But I think Oklahoma State has positioned itself, you know, and that's where a season like this is important. You know, if you can, after losing, as I said, two All-Americans on defense for the first time in school history, you go out and, uh, you know, you win 10 games, 11 games and, and possibly get yourself in the championship game, win, win the league title, wherever you want to take your dreams. Uh, you have definitely added even more to that fire of being, uh, the potential big dog in the new league. Yep, absolutely, Dave. Last question for you. Again, we really appreciate your time. You're coming up on year 22 as the voice of the Cowboys. We all know the, the difficult circumstances in which you took over. You've spoken about that many times. My question is, what comes to mind now that you're entering year 22? When you, when you take a step back and look at how you've kind of ingrained yourself into the OSU fan base and just – 
really take made that job your own when you take a step back and kind of reminisce on the previous years just what, what comes to mind to you well just how much fun it's been how many great people i've met had a chance to work with and get to know and how welcomed we've been into this family from day one it's just been such an awesome experience and i don't have to think long to realize how far how long it's been i'm pretty fortunate we've gone from pre-k with my oldest to her wedding on the 26th so i guess that pretty well sums it up we've <laughs> when we got here we 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 took our oldest and put her in pre-k at westwood elementary and that's where both the girls went to school and it's gone from that to a wedding at St. Francis in Stillwater on the 26th. So that pretty well, uh, that pretty well takes it start to finish. That tells you it's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time, Dave. And you, uh, you've been a part of a lot of Oklahoma State fans' life and a lot of students. I mean, Carson took your class. I took your class. Uh, don't ever underestimate the impact that you've had on, on students' lives and fans' lives uh, at Oklahoma State. You've been a big, big part uh, of my – I was listening to you on the radio when I was a kid. We would pause the TV, we would get the radio going, and then we would time up the TV and the radio so that we could listen to the radio broadcast instead of the TV broadcast. Then I ended up getting to take your class and get to know you a little bit. So uh, great pleasure having you on and can't wait to listen to you more this season. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm proud of both of what you guys have done. And this is an interesting year. There's, again, it's sort of a chance to, uh, to stake your claim to what you guys were saying about, you know, what's going to happen a couple years down the line. Yep, absolutely. Dave, we really appreciate it, man. Have a great season, and uh, we'll catch up with you when we're up in Stillwater. That sounds good. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. You bet. We'll see you soon.